Nine minutes to nine. It is Money Talk with James Ross. And uh, let's cross back to Washington, D.C. and uh, join Barry Wood, RTHK's international economics uh, correspondent. Uh, Barry, we were talking a little bit uh, earlier on uh, with Stuart about uh, Jackson Hole and the meetings that will be going on there. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about Jackson Hole and, you know, how does that whole thing work? Well, Yes, I can. Look, it's a fantastic place. It's um, in the Grand Tetons in the western part of the state of Wyoming. What you're really on is the eastern rim of the Rocky Mountains. So you drive there from an airport, call it Cheyenne, some would go through Denver and drive up. But what you've got are these magnificent views and very cool air. The Kansas City Federal Reserve organizes this annual symposium, which is a sharing of views among global central bankers and bankers from around the country. There's only about 80 to 100 actual invitees, and then you've got the media. Mm. It's interesting as to why it happened in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and that was that while the meetings had started in 1978, by 1981, Paul Volcker, that towering tall figure who Mm. was the Federal Reserve Board Chairman, he was a fly fisherman and he wanted to do fly fishing in the Rockies. That's how it (laughs) happened to be at Jackson Hole. So does anybody do fly fishing now? Yes, I'm sure they do. I don't know. I've never been. I've been to a lot of such relatively similar economic meetings, but never to Jackson Hole. I don't know why, but I'm sure that people come early or stay late to fish. And, you know, does stuff get done in official meetings at Jackson Hole or is it sort of, you know, almost like a ski? Is it sort of after the uh, the fact in restaurants and bars? Is, is, is that when, when stuff happens? Yeah, you know, Jackson Hole is now an increasingly popular tourist destination. However, it's still small and it's still remote. So, yeah, this is not a place where decisions are made. This is a talking shop. This is a kind of Davos in a mini scale. Mm. So if you've got Europeans talking about then there's heavy academic papers. So there's a there's you know to and fro on what is the right policy for combating recession, combating inflation, making an economy grow faster. And they're all central bankers. That's the key theme here. They're central bankers or their deputies or the people they govern in, in the in the commercial banks. So they're throwing ideas around, trying to trying to think of things that uh, could make stuff happen. Absolutely. Mm. Interesting stuff. And you know, when we when will we hear news out of this? Sort of the end of Friday. That's when we're expecting to hear stuff. Do you think? Yeah, the chairman of the Federal Reserve is indeed the central figure in all of this. And typically that person, he or she, makes a speech on the final day. And that will be this Friday in Wyoming time. And that will be Jerome Powell. A year ago, he talked a lot about uh, we've got to fight inflation and we'll take the tough steps to win the battle. Well, now there's been so much progress, but interest rates are higher. We still see really good news, James, in terms of the economy is growing, inflation is down from 9 to about 6 or even 5%. By some measures, it's already down to 3%. And you've got growth is still steady, and you've got employment high. So you could say, gee, the Federal Reserve and, and Chairman Jay Powell should take a victory lap. He'll be more cautious than that. 
but I don't think there's going to be any tough measures or commitments to do more to fight inflation. Well, we'll watch that with uh, uh, with interest. Uh, turning to a different subject, uh, just a few minutes ago we were hearing um, uh, from uh, Richard Harris about uh, some of the financial history that has led to where we are uh, today. And you know, I guess tech history is also an interesting thing as well. Um, you know, we've heard of, of comparisons between the printing presses and, and the internet uh, over the years. Uh, but tech change has been going on for, you know, 150, 200, maybe, maybe much longer uh, than that. Um, Barry, I know you, you follow sort of these hist- historical uh, areas uh, quite deeply. How have you seen tech change compare today with what, what was happening, say, 100 years ago? Yeah, I think that's a fascinating question. I, two weeks ago, I was out in um, northern Ohio, at Milan, Ohio, where Thomas Edison was born. Then we, my son and I, we drove up to Detroit to Henry Ford's Greenfield Village. He's collected all of these sort of idyllic places from 19th century America or early 20th century, put them in one place. And that caused us to to sort of reflect on, is the pace of technological change faster today or was it faster then? And by then, starting, let's say, with the electricity, which came in in the 1880s, you had the automobile, 1902, you had the airplane, 1903, you had the steam engine, you had the elevator, uh, things that had changed the way people live. You know, the horse had been the way for a thousand years that people got around. Suddenly they were in cars and all of the stress that was associated with that. You had the telephone, but now, and then, of course, the airplane, but that That took off slowly, forgive me the pun. But (laughs) if you look at today, just go to the Internet. Mm. That was in the 1990s. Then you had email before the Internet. You have now this whole question of artificial intelligence. You've got television, antibiotics, nuclear weapons, jet aircraft. You've got polio. Is this pace of technological change faster is it too is that much more stressful on the body exactly. or was it just as much then i i leave it to listeners i don't have an answer yeah difficult to say i mean you know obviously electricity coming along had a massive impact at the time didn't it and uh, you know the, the the rise of the airplane as you as you rightly say but uh, is that any well, different I yes mm. think of it if you had you know in in america where we had very much the frontier culture if you were in a cabin you know sort of raising your own crops in the field, your light was a candle and a lantern. Suddenly then, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, electrification changed everything. The airplane by then was omniscient, just as the Internet has changed our lives. We Google things today, and Mm. the stress is immensely high, but it must have been immensely high then too. Well, good food for thought uh, indeed. Barry Wood is our international economics correspondent based in Washington, D.C. Thank you very much.